are listening to the Mental Gains Podcast. I'm Matt Russell, and on this episode, we're just going to jump right into it. We have special guest, author, and podcaster Kay Flowers. Here's Verna, right with the questions. Boom. Here we go. So for our last episode of the year, we have Kay Flowers here with us. She is a multi-talented individual. She is an author, a speaker, and a certified life coach. And she is here today to tell us a little bit about her mental health journey and how we can navigate uh, grief through the holidays. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. We're going to start out by learning a little bit about your own mental health journey and spiritual journey, if you'd like to include that. I was reading over um, your webpage, and it says that that your journey through your own experiences with trauma and depression has given you a profound understanding that our past does not define our future. So if you could give us a little bit of information about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just a little bit of my background. Um, I did grow up in a space where like, it was just really at times very toxic and it was really hard to like even feel like I can express myself or my emotions and so um, just dealing with that and feeling like my voice didn't matter like I dealt with you know verbal abuse and just traumas and so knowing that even though I came from that like that doesn't have to be how my journey ends you know I always have the ability to grow and improve and heal which was a really big part of you know everything that I I went through I just knew like I had this vision, like, I, you know, even as a kid, I had a vision of myself, like, being something more than what I, my current circumstances. In my book, I share about my journey and how, like, you know, really through, you know, my experiences with depression and, like, you know, those experiences, like, I was able to find a place of healing and hope um, mm-hmm. through my faith. Mm-hmm. And Kay, how old are you right now? I'm 25. You're 25. And you said even while you were growing up, you had a sense of this is not how I want my life to play out. Yeah. So even as a kid, you knew there was something not quite right about the way you were being raised? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Just, I mean, I feel like no kid, you know, should have to have gone through what I went through, like, and, and have to deal with like such, you know, abuse. Like sometimes, sometimes it's not necessarily even like, um, bullies in school that could be our bullies. Sometimes it's our own, you know, our own own environment and Mm -hmm. upbringing. And so I knew like that that wasn't right because I had like, I've been in like other people's houses and friends, you know, and seeing how their parents interact with them and like just, you know, just, and then what they share with me. So I knew like there was something more to this, like this, you know, unfortunately this is, you know, what I had to deal with. But like, I just knew like some kind of way, like even if it just means me, once I become a parent, like I'm just going to, just make sure my kid never has to feel the way I felt. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the turning point was when you said, hey, I'm instead of experiencing this pain all the time, I'm going to transform it and I'm going to change it into something else or helping myself and then helping other people? I feel like what really helped me to like think even bigger in that, because I didn't necessarily know what that looked like as a kid, but I just knew that, like, I wanted something else, like, something better. And so I actually um, had the opportunity to interact with, like, and have a therapist, you know, before I even became an adult and stuff. So me just having those conversations with my therapist, like, that really helped me realize, yeah, this isn't 
like normal kind of circumstances and stuff. So just, you know, f letting my feelings be valid, validated and like just knowing like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like it's, I'm not, <laughs> you know, like this isn't normal and, and, and there's something more that can be done. And so, and there's healing that can be had too, which I thought was pretty cool to know, you know, even then and seek that out. Even as I got older, like I knew, um, when I got to college, like I found out they had free like support groups in college and free like mental health resources. I'm like, I want to learn about all of that because my first initial experience with the therapist was really good. So I'm like, I want to continue to keep healing because I know there's some stuff in there that I still need to heal from. Mm -hmm. Was that a painful process at first? Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, you have to uncover so, so many things that you, again, like for me, I thought like was normal for me, but um, like experiencing it, but again, later on realizing like that's definitely not, you know, something that everybody goes through. So, so yeah, it was a painful process. I cried a lot. I was like, oh my gosh, like that whole journey of healing is like, it's not as pretty and aesthetic -y <laughs> as everybody makes it seem like I'm on my healing journey. Like it's not <laughs> always a beautiful thing. It's, it could be a mess. It can't fit into one Instagram post. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, you, it, it just can't. Like, mm -hmm. there's just so much more to that healing process. And so, you know, like, it was hard and it was challenging, but I feel like it, it brought a lot out of me and it helped me, again, to, like, communicate my feelings more because I didn't know how to do that. I, I was used to running away from hard feelings and shutting down, you know, with conflict and, like, not wanting to talk things through or just be silent about it, like, feeling I had to figure it out myself, mm -hmm. which I, like, as a lot of people who've dealt with depression, they feel like they have to, like they can't really go talk to people about like it, they don't want to put their burdens or problems on other people. Right. And I felt like that a lot. Like I, I didn't talk about it. And so I, you know, wore a smile on my face, but I was going through hell back at home. So yeah. it was just, yeah. you know, something that I dealt with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes there's a lot of like shame or embarrassment or yeah. you feel like you're going to get in trouble if you talk about things yeah. and you, you want to save face for the whole family and all of that. Yeah, definitely. You said that therapy was really helpful yes. in your journey because probably because of the education and knowing, you know, like, okay, this is how things are supposed to be. Yeah. This is not how things are supposed to be as a child. Yeah. And in addition to that, though, what else helped you and gave you strength on your journey? So the biggest thing for me was going to my grandmother's house. Like that for me was like heaven <laughs> every time because... You know, she was so nurturing and so loving. Like I have, I always talk about my grandmother, that woman, she's no longer here today. She had passed away when I was 15, but she was like that, you know, that thing that, that person that helped me hold on. And even with her, it took me a while to open up with her about like the things that I was going through. But like, you know, she always, you know, had that nurturing spirit about her, which I feel like that's something I thankfully have held on to, even though I went through all that stuff. Like, you know, and, and that's another thing too, like, Fast forward to today, like there's been so much healing and restoration and relationships that have happened and like things are not how they used to be. Mm -hmm. And I have those relationships, you know, um, and, 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 and again, it's not everybody's story, like everybody's relationships. You can heal people from afar and you don't have to talk to them again. But for me, going through that healing journey, that forgiveness process, like 
I don't even hold it any anything against anyone anymore. So we're in a better place now. I, I love when you talk about your your grandmother. Um, yeah, this is a podcast, so people can't see your face, but your face yeah. did light up. Yeah, and it seems like like everybody needs at least that one person mm-hmm. to to reach out and and show them, hey, there's a better way to do this. Yeah, sometimes I think that life can be difficult. Yeah, and it can be like a whirlpool that is sucking you down, and you. Mm-hmm just need that one person to reach out their hand yeah some people are blessed with lots of folks in their lives who right. can do that mm-hmm. but without your grandmother mm-hmm. do you think you'd be on a different trajectory when I think about that I really don't even know like if I would have been here today mm-hmm. like if it wasn't for her and seeing her example and seeing how like she loved on me and made me feel special like my grandmother and again my faith in God, like those two things hand in hand, like really helped me to push through all of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she had a huge part to play, and 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 she is a big reason I, I feel like um, for my you know my growth today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this might be an odd question, but um, it's it's always interesting to me when your grandmother passed mm-hmm. when you were fifteen. Yeah. Do you think that that made your faith grow? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That brings up a whole other story. But um, but yeah, that definitely made my faith grow because I know and it's going to sound obviously to some a little woo woo, but I'm going to share it anyways, because I feel like this really helped me personally get like get the comfort I needed. Mm-hmm. And so when my grandmother grandmother passed away the day of and mind you, I lived in her house at the time when she passed away. That's important to know. So um, and she passed away in her room and my room was a couple doors down. I didn't know she passed away that day until I came back from school. And my mom later in the day told me that she passed away. But for me, when that happened and when I came into her house after coming from school, I remember hearing as clear as day her voice talk to me and tell me, like, don't worry, Beth. Like, and this, again, this is just my experience. Mm-hmm. She said, don't worry, Beth. I'm with Jesus now. And I remember hearing that as clear as day. And I'm like, and my mom said, okay. Like, when, once my brother came back from school, she's like, all right, I just wanted to let you guys know, like, you know, I don't even remember the exact words, but your grandma's no longer here and all of that. She passed away in the night. And I said, really? Because she told me that. Uh, and my mom's like, what? Like, and so for me, like, even though, like, I still went through that grieving process and crying and all of that and, like, just really, it was really hard, that whole experience. And even today, I still miss her. But that in itself, like, gave me so much comfort because that woman is also the one who told me about my faith. Mm. She's the one who, you know, introduced me to Jesus and, like, that whole journey. And so for me, like, that was just like, okay, like, I'm just going to continue, you know, doing, and of I've had my own rocks in the road and bumpy roads with my faith and things like that. But I just feel like that experience forever, like, changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have a lot more to get into, but I do want to bookmark one thing to come back to. You described, you said this story could be seen as a little woo-woo, but it's interesting, like, um, the the self-help group that I most often attend is AA, mm-hmm. and there is certainly a spiritual aspect to it. Yeah. Um, almost that's the main component. Mm-hmm. And so... What, Further along in this this interview, when we when we start talking about how you got into to being a life coach, yeah, I do want to come back to that spiritual element, absolutely, because yeah. I, some people are very resistant to the idea of spirituality oh, when yeah. it comes to self help. Yeah, but for me, it was pivotal. Yeah, for absolutely. for my recovery. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I think it's helpful for people when they learn about it, um, even if they don't experience um, experiences like that. Yeah. But when you do, you know, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's just how it is. I agree. So, And that definitely, my personal development and my spiritual journey go hand in hand. Like, it just, it, it all goes together mm-hmm. and coincides, mm-hmm. and it just enhances, like, I feel like my journey, it, it, my, my growth journey. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that you are not the center of the universe, that they're in AA, we call it a higher power. Yeah. Knowing that there's something else out there that yeah. you can just... Not everything is my responsibility. I'm not trying to be in control of the world. Right. I'm not the director, the writer, the stage manager, the lighting person, the audio person. Right. And just letting somebody else do the heavy lifting sometimes. Yeah, and see, uh, funny that you mentioned that. Like, that's literally how my grandmother, and this is another thing. I told you, I talk about her a lot, but this woman, when she was dealing with cancer and chemo, like, like the way that she like just still had a happy spirit and she's like don't even worry like god is in control don't even like don't be sad like you know it's i'll be all right mm-hmm. and even though she was dealing with so much pain and she just she still had like faith in the higher power yeah. and that brought her th- like helped her through that process there's a bigger plan yeah yeah absolutely all right let's, let's see if we can transition here into <laughs> yeah good luck um, <laughs> When did you get started in writing um, and life coaching? Oh, yeah. Okay. So and how did you get started? Yeah. So writing, that, that started at a young age. Um, I got into journaling and like um, writing poetry and songs. I actually wanted originally to be a singer, even though I don't really have the, lo- you know, the vocals for it. But I wanted to be a singer and songwriter. So I started, like, I, write it, I started writing songs and poetry and then... My other grandmother, which I'm close to both of them, introduced me to like, hey, like, you know, you can journal your prayers and stuff like that. So I got started in like writing prayers, poetry, all of that at a young age. I just started doing that. And that was an outlet for me, too, especially during the times where, like I said, I was going through a lot and experiencing all these emotions and these experiences, just being able to go into my room and like I had bunch of journals just for different things and I would just write so yeah that just naturally like I felt led to like write like I've always been a writer I've always you know loved the idea of creativity too um and creative writing and life coaching came later actually in or after college I'm pretty sure it was like in the mid of that or something like that but um I started getting into that because I actually had a mentor who was a life coach and a mentor who I also interned with, with her organization, Working With Women. So that's how, like, for me, like, how I got into women's life coaching because her her example of that, like, you know, at a, you know, in my time of college, like I was a part of like setting up and we did women's conferences and we were, you know, doing workshops in the community and just it just opened me up so to so much so if margo if you're listening to this right now shout out to you because you really you know opened my eyes to something bigger and amazing just giving back to the community and helping women Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's where that came from all right awesome um what did you major in in college oh i I majored in business management and i minored in communication so i did like public speaking classes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that yeah all right I, a lot of the more well-adjusted folks in my life yeah. have a journaling practice. Yeah. I have tried a billion times <laughs> to start a practice. When I first started here, I don't know if you remember, Verna, I would journal every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always fall off. I mm-hmm. can't stay consistent with it. Starting a new routine is very difficult. Yeah. 
what would you tell people like me about a journaling practice, how to get started? I would say um, a really good way to get started, especially like um, me being a writer, but someone who may not be a writer, but when I have writer's block, Mm -hmm. the same thing that I do would be, you know, finding a prompt and you can always find prompts online. Um, to just, you know, get started in writing. And so finding a prompt and then setting aside a specific time, like, okay, like, I like to call Wednesdays Writing Wednesday. I'm just gonna, you know, that's a a really great time. And you could choose whatever day of the week, but just like, all right, on this day, I'm just gonna spend a few minutes in the morning and write. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so like, you could choose a day and a time and then find a prompt online, or you could find guided journals that have those questions already in it. Um, and they can, um, you know, just help you, you know, think a little deeply. And then whatever comes to mind, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a lot. But whatever comes to mind for that prompt, just, you know, write out your responses. And just naturally, as you start to do that more and more consistently in small bits and pieces, you know, like it'll be something that, um, not for everybody, but like it could be something to look forward to, mm-hmm. I would say. It doesn't have to be perfect. I, yeah, I think that's, it doesn't have to be perfect that's at all. That's huge advice that, mm-hmm. that yeah. I need. Um, you have a one-year-old daughter? Yes. And now, does she respect Writer Wednesday? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes, mm-hmm. but not really. Yeah, She's yeah. like, but sometimes I'll still like, like, well, actually, I'll still be writing. Like, all my, like, sometimes I have to navigate from my notebook to my phone while she's like, cause she's like still like waking up, cause I'll wake up early in the morning to write. Um, so, so she'll like wake up and then, cause, you know, and then I'll grab her and then I'll finish writing on my phone and then go back and transfer the notes from my phone to my notebook. You adapt to, yes. her, to her routine. Yes, mm. exactly. You have to as a mom. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the audience wants to know a little bit more about, um, Life coaching. What is life coaching? What was the training like or the education that you did for that? Yeah, so what is life coaching? So the way that I would explain life coaching is really accountability, like in short, like the shortest way to explain is accountability and support on your journey. So I feel like, or sorry, not I feel like, but specifically how I got started, I went through training um, with life coaching school and I got my certification that way. But a lot of things that you learn there is really just being able to like adapt to the person you're coaching with and like, you know, everybody's style is a little bit different and working with people. So just being able to adapt and, you know, meeting people where they are. And, and as they, you know, as you're helping them progress in whatever goals they may have or like things that they're looking to accomplish. Like you're like that mentor, that supporter mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a cheerleader. Yeah, like you're, there we go, right. cheerleader. Right. I know that, um, you know, on your website, it says that your mission is to help women um, transform from their pain into purpose. Yes. And you say that um, you do that by um, helping women embrace their stories to have an impact. Uh, do you just work with women or do you work with men and why are you drawn to helping women? So, um, so let me say this. I will not turn away men. I I will not turn away men who are interested in my services, but what I have found is that women are more drawn to me and we've meshed well together. But again, if a man does come and would like life coaching for me, I won't turn them away. So, so yeah, so I just feel like, again, kind of with that process and what I saw like in my, um, back when I was um, with the mentorship and just how like working with women then and just seeing again, like 
yeah, there's a lot of things that we as women relate to each other and we know, you know, different things. So I don't know. I just love seeing that that transition, especially like if they've gone through similar experiences, you know, and even if they haven't, like just being able to work with them, like it just it's been a very nice process. Yeah. When you're doing the life coaching, a lot of it is geared around um, kind of getting people to increase their self-awareness. What are some ways that people can help increase their self-awareness? That's a great question. Definitely going back to what we were talking about with journaling. That is a really great way to increase self-awareness, especially when you're doing journal prompts on things around personal development and self-awareness. So yeah, being able to write out your experiences and really think through those things and and really just dissecting it, you know, I feel like that just helps you become more self-aware. And for me, that was the case. Like the more I started reflecting on my experiences and journaling about it, it just made me so much more aware of like where I am and like what I went through and how to talk about it. So sometimes you may not verbally know how to speak about it, but when you write it down and you could look back on it on paper, you're like, wow, like, and then you could always go back over your journals and see like your progress from 2013 to now and things like that. So yeah, journaling is a really great one. Increasing self-awareness as well, I would say is um, to be able to um, really just have that time alone. Like the more you spend really just researching things that you're interested in, things that that you want to learn about or you want to get a, a degree in or whatever. Just the more you do your research on things that come to mind for you and like learn how it works, like I just, I think that also just increases self-awareness, you know? Like, oh, like I've always wanted to look into knitting, for example. And so the awareness is, hey, like it's come to mind and now like let me actually go see like how this works out like let me try knitting like it comes to mind for me why not give it a shot you never know until you try um so I think that's a really big thing like you know don't second guess yourself if you want to check out some sort of new field or new hobby like just go for it Mm -hmm. explore a little bit yeah Uh, with the writing it's so interesting how when you write it down it makes it more tangible absolutely like I had a mentor who had me write down basically a list of negative energy I was harboring in myself towards other people, mm. resentments. Yeah. And I was dragging my feet on it because I procrastinate on everything. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in my head, I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to write down. I know the scenarios that I'm feeling resentful about, the people I'm feeling resentment towards. Mm-hmm. I had it all in my head. I just was dragging my feet to write it down on paper. But as soon as I wrote it down, it was way more insightful. To see it in front of me, it made it more concrete. Um, It allowed me to draw insight from from it in a way that I couldn't when it was just floating around in my head. Right, and I think a lot of people do that, especially the ones that, are, that always you know, take mental checks instead of mm-hmm. writing down a checklist. Like I think that is just so much more like tangible, literally. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's right. paper. It's tangible, and you're like, okay, like now let's work through this, right? And you can write down the steps or figure out what next steps that you need to take to figure out you know, what you need to do. Right. Right. So yeah. So who you need to talk to? Yeah. So it it helps with processing a lot. And uh, I had a therapist um, when I was going through some grief, 
And she was like, you have to start writing things down. Yeah. Because uh, the more that you write things down and mm-hmm. the more it's concrete and the more you see it, it, it this reinforces it. Yeah, absolutely. So like gratitudes mm-hmm. and af- on that. You know, affirmations, Big which on you, that. you do a lot of. Yeah. Um, and just like life goals. Yeah. You, you know, if you just keep it in your head, it's just a fantasy. Yeah. If you start writing it down and you start working toward the goals. I'm looking at then, right now. I'm looking at right, Verna right. does this. Tell, I know. tell, tell well, the so audience I, about your manifestation. Right. Project. So, so, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's, again, a lot of um, opinions about, you know, manifesting. It's become really popular. Yeah. And, I'm with um, it. But it is a method that actually works Absolutely. if you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you are consciously writing something down and thinking about it and and then looking at it over and over right then these are the things that create things to happen absolutely if you're just fantasizing in your mind once mm. in a while that's not going to create anything yeah. but you have to put the work into put in the work yeah because so. it's not and that's the thing too um because yes i also believe in manifestation in the process of manifestation and so um you know being able to write down or you know a lot of people do I don't, not the New Year's resolutions, but vision boards and like just the things that they want to accomplish in their life or in the year, you know? And so when you can visually see, you know, pictures of it or the words written down, like it's just, you know, it helps you get an idea. Again, all the things in your head, putting it on paper, seeing it, and now figuring out, okay, what's the steps I need to take to get there? Mm -hmm. So um, I'll give you an example of something that I manifested this year. I manifested getting um, interviewed on and being on TV. And so I I put that on my vision board back in December when I created it. And I knew I'm like, I know like in order to have these different opportunities come up, I have to put myself out there. And so being willing to put yourself out there also helps you to manifest faster, like aligning yourself in that, being in that mindset, in that space and doing the work, you know, networking, reaching out to people, um, you know, emailing, whatever you have to do, talking to people, making connections like that can help you. And again, continuing that process of practicing gratitude, the things you already have being grateful for as you work towards more, you know, that process for me, like that practice of gratitude has taken me so many places and has opened up so many doors for me just because I was being grateful for what I already have. You know, I was thanking God for what I already had as I worked for getting to the next steps or what have you. So yeah, yeah, definitely Almost. writing it down. Right. Making the proud vision of her. plain. She, she made me say, or you didn't make me. I wanted to. <laughs> From your suggestion, I was not super aware of I mean, every I know the concept of manifesting. Yeah. But but Verna has like an actual practice that yes. she does, and to sit down and do that with her, um, I, I still have mine mm-hmm. in in my my cabinet. Right. Oh, I love that. Right. We'll have to. Uh-huh. One one of my manifesting things this year was to get my kitchen painted, <laughs> and um, you know, at a a cost that I could afford. Yeah. And so um, I was able to do that this year. Um, again. Keeping your eyes open and talking to people, right? And people will help you on your journey. They will if you tell them what you want, and you're, you know, you're putting yourself out there, and you trust that you are enough for whatever you're manifesting. Yeah, and um, you have that confidence. Yeah, then 
people will just be drawn to you. They'll help you. They'll tell you like, oh, hey, I have a friend um, that can help you or, oh, you know, this or that. Right. And one so. thing I've learned, too, in this process of manifestation is no means next opportunity. So even when I do get rejected, because, yeah, at times you will find that things don't always work out as easily as uh, you planned or envisioned it. So knowing that, you know, as you step out on faith and work, you know, towards those things that you want to manifest, like, you know, everything will align for you. And just when one door closes, another one will open. Mm -hmm. That's right. Did you manifest being a published writer? And we know you're a, a writer, but being a writer is different than being a writer who's like, I'm going to share this with other people. Yes. What What was that process like going from be, creating art for yourself to creating art for everybody? Wow, that's a really, really good question because I feel like every person who's about to publish their work or has the desire to or whatever the case is, a part of you feels like, do I really want to release my baby into the world, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Because your your work is your baby. It but really is. But it's not is. yours anymore once you release it. I, I mean, it's still your baby, <laughs> you know? But it's your baby that everyone ha you know, is, has their own thoughts, thoughts about, about and, opinions, and shares, yeah. you know? So for me, that process was really like, that was actually a process I really had to work uh, with God on because I'm like, okay, like I know that I... I want to do this. I know you're calling me to do this, but it's like, do I really want? Because like these are personal things that I wrote in my journal as a kid. Like a lot of the stuff I share in my book, I wrote as a kid. And so this like, ooh, like I don't, you know, and yeah, like the thoughts of judgment. That's another thing. People judging you yeah. or whatever they're going to think. So really just again, getting out my head about it. I think that's a really big thing. Getting out of your head about the opinions of others, like the negative opinions, and knowing that somebody, even if your book or your writings reach one person, you've mm -hmm. still reached someone with yeah. your work. You've still impacted somebody's life. So getting out of the head, my head about myself and how I would feel, just thinking about the breakthroughs, the the reviews that people will give. So for me, like, and going back to what I said about, well, I didn't say that yet, but I'm really big in like affirmations and manifestations. So even before I became an author, I wrote down affirmations about being an author and, you know, um, how people are going to receive my book and how they're going to love it and write reviews. And, and so to see, you know, I spoke that into existence. I worked towards that and that happened. I've had people tell me that their book has literally changed, my book has changed their life and they've cried and they had breakthrough moments and a lot of that. So it's like just remembering that your purpose is bigger than you. You can impact even one person's life and you've done a lot with that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, get your writings out there. Get your book out there if you are, um, you know, if that's on your heart or whatever is on your heart to do um, and not hold on to for yourself. Mm -hmm. Share yeah. your talents with the world. Love yeah. that. And don't create like the world is is watching over your shoulder. Yeah. That's what I struggled with for a long time. Yeah. Because I wanted to make artwork and I wanted to put artwork out. Right. But when you're making something with the intention of showing other people, you feel like other people are looking over your shoulder and yeah. judging you judging while you. you're making it. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I feel like that's a big one with, with artists, mm, like physical mm -hmm. artists too. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I don't know. I think I kind of have. I think I've worked through some of that perfectionism. Yeah. And I do Ooh. feel more comfortable just putting stuff out. Right. You know, mm -hmm. just 
even if it's not perfect. Especially I mean, if it's not especially, perfect. Especially, <laughs> right? Oh, that part. Because I definitely dealt with perfectionism as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like it doesn't have to be perfect. And just think of it as, and I, one of my favorite um, mentors online, his name is Brendan Burchard. He also has books. He shared, and I'll never forget this, about how, I believe it was Brendan, um, how you know, you're able to really document your journey. So even like, you know, if you feel like it's not perfect right now, that's all right. Like you will be able to look back at how, you know, you started and mm-hmm. how where you are now and just that process, document it and let other people see that. And I've seen so many like YouTubers do this, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, you may see like moments where, where they'll even think like that was kind of cringy, like back then watching their old YouTube videos and then, then you know, where they are now and the success they're having on YouTube. Like it's, it's pretty cool to see. I think it's awesome. So it's when you diary. Think, right, when you think of it like that, like you don't have to be perfect you're in your especially in your diary you don't have to be perfect mm-hmm. right just just start mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how much specifically do you write about grief with grief i would say um i would say in the past more than now i did pretty often like just you know um sharing you know my thoughts and like how much i miss my grandmother and just kind of like you know just writing that out um so there's times, too, when even at different moments, because, I mean, I feel like different moments it could hit you, you know, when you've lost a loved one and it's just kind of heavier than other times. So literally just writing about that, like just in that moment or later on or whatever the case is, like sometimes I may not write it on paper. I'll just write it in my notes on my phone, mm-hmm. um, especially days that are like, you know, dates and their birthdays or stuff like that, that may, you know, really touch your heart or hit you. Um, it's like, okay, well, you know, I just want to, you know, just write out what I'm feeling like, cause at times when you think about the person, you know, you want to cry, you miss them, you want them to be there. And it's like, you know, let me just, let me write this out. Let me mm-hmm. just like, I'm talking to you know, my grandma again, or whoever your loved one is, like, just write it out. Like, just talk to them. Especially this time of year. Right. Especially during Christmas. Right. A lot of people are struggling um, during the holidays because they think about, a lot of times we don't think about what we have. We think about what we're missing. Yes. And so um, sometimes we're, you know, oh, my grandma's not here. My mom's not here. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what we wanted to kind of end this podcast with. Um, How do you navigate grief during the holidays or, you know, what are some self-help things that you can do to kind of ease the depression a little bit? I would say one of the biggest ones is like surrounding yourself with community, friends or be it family or even, you know, like support groups in your community, like just being able to get plugged in and not be isolated. I think that's a really big thing, especially during sad seasons. So getting around people who can, you know, encourage you and uplift you or finding those communities, like I said, support groups, just doing research, even on online communities, you can find a tons of resources on Facebook and groups around mental health or grief or whatever the case is. So really just, you know, when you feel like, when you feel that isolation and that grief, you know, just reach out, reach out, find that community, or even if it's like your therapist or whatever, you know, especially that, like if you need that additional support, looking into that professional um, that can help you through the process. Mm-hmm. What are what are some ways that you can honor loved ones during the holiday? Oh yeah, this is my favorite question, um, specifically um, when it comes around, you know, the holidays. So just thinking about 
your loved ones and the things that you guys would do around the holidays, especially if they were someone who celebrated the holidays, you know, or even if they didn't celebrate the holidays, what are things that they like to do? What things did you like to do with them? And just start to do that in honor of them. So like this year, right, the decorating and all the fun, like the uh, the old school Chris, uh, Christmas music, like with um, like the Temptations and stuff. My grandmother loved playing like the Temptations and all the old school Christmas songs um, <laughs> during the holidays. So like playing those songs and just remembering, we would literally dance to those. Like grandma had good taste. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> my me and my grandma, we would dance. We would have the little what's that campfire? Not campfire. The fi- fire log station. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, like we, YouTube, that's yeah. just like eight hours. Right, or watch the Macy's parade. Like, right. you know, like, that just makes their spirit come alive, you know, when you do those things that you enjoy doing with them and that they love doing with you. So, yeah, just finding what whatever that is, baking cookies or making their favorite meal that you guys enjoy together, um, you know, even creating some sort of ornament in their memory or picture frame or, you know, whatever that is. When I first met Verna was a little bit over a year ago when we were going into like Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas time. And I know that last year that was your first holidays without your mom. Right. And what what's it like going into the holidays after having experienced that that first? Yeah, yeah. So last year it was um it was the first year and so everything was new. And um, the grief was kind of heavy. The depression was kind of heavy. And um, I was kind of like, oh, I don't have a family now because my mom was the one who kind of brought everybody together. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, no, I, I, what am I going to do for the holidays? Who yeah. am I going to see? Who am I going to spend time with? Um, and I didn't put a lot of planning in it because I wasn't – I didn't know what it was going to be like. And um, – you know, I, I was having a lot of emotions about it. Um, so it was a struggle. So mm-hmm. last year was a struggle. Um, but what I learned is on the days or, you know, the holidays where I was able to get like support from friends or yeah. go out and do something or, you know, get invited to um, somebody else's family holiday, yeah. those days were easier. Mm-hmm. So this year, you know, I kind of came up with a plan, you yeah. know. Um, in advance, like, okay, I'm going to, you know, um, go to this friend's, I'm going to, you know, spend this day with my boyfriend, I'm going to do this. Um, So that way, um, there won't be that isolation or that alone or that time to kind of sink into. Yeah. Instead, it'll be like, okay, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, you thought about the traditions that you want to honor. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to make the pierogies, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Um, yeah. So it was, it's a lot better if you take the time to uh, have this, the future planning of what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it a lot easier. I agree. So, And I love that so much too, you know, continuing like with the recipes mm-hmm. and, or even joining friends with their family. Mm-hmm. And that's always the sweet, like, the kindest thing ever, like to open your home to someone or for them to open their home to you. Like it just, you know, makes processing grief and all of that so much easier to, mm-hmm. to navigate. It, it redefines uh, the word family. Yes, absolutely. And what's also very important is, you know, not just to surround yourself, um, but also to do all the self-care. 
Yes. Um, I made it a point to this year that I was going to do all the things that make me feel good. Yes. I was going to go to musical events. I was going to, um, you know, uh, sit in front of fires. I was going to do more meditation, um, you know, and, and just having that, um, that cope, the coping skills and the things that you're going to do in your back pocket yes. when things get bad and you actually use them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's very, you actually use it's them. very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful to, it's almost sometimes easier for you to, to go into your depression yeah. than it is to actually do the work to try to not fall into it. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you with the self-care, especially when you're feeling low. And 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 I think that goes back to the awareness we talked about, self-awareness, knowing that, hey, like the holidays are around and I know, you know, that person that I love is no longer here. Like how, you know, can I take care of myself? Who can I surround myself with? Who could I call? You know, what things can I do to, to really help me navigate this? And, you know, I think some of the self-care tools from for me when I especially when I you know depression wants to knock on my door is listening like are creating playlists that help uplift your spirit you know like listening to to uplifting music or creating like a self-care playlist especially when you're feeling down like going to that playlist or taking a walk outside that's a really Mm -hmm. one a good one that I love is like getting outdoors like just getting that fresh air in and like being able to see the beauty of your surroundings and like just be in the moment like that in itself, you know, just just allows you to be present. And I think sometimes being present um, and practicing that gratitude and even thinking about what you're grateful for when you're like outdoors or if you can't get outdoors, like sitting in front of a window or like whatever, like it just helps you to to um, to just know that you know like you don't have to go through that by yourself and that you know things will get better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i need to not confess here but i do i do need to say that i don't have a ton of experience with grief um i've been through trials and tribulations in my life just yeah. like everybody else but grief has not been one of them so forgive me if i'm asking silly questions here but but grief there are certain aspects of grieving that are healthy, correct? I would say um, there there definitely are healthy ways to grieve um, and ways that we can really like, you know, because, I mean, if you, you know, are grieving and like you just, you're doing things that, you know, maybe like something harmful to your body, you know, like that could be a really hard way that someone may process grief. Mm. But to find healthy, healthy coping mechanisms like, you know, I, I just feel like that personally, because there's always two choices that we can make in really anything, but especially when we're going through hard, difficult times or losing someone we love, like you have the option. Yes, you can turn to alcohol. You could turn to drugs. That is an option. Everybody has that option, but you don't have to choose that. That doesn't have to be the only thing you resort to. You can mm-hmm. find other ways or find the support in finding other ways to cope with grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In honor the the your loved ones absolutely and because your loved ones want you to live a positive healthy yeah, life right absolutely. and to and it, honor them by doing the best mm-hmm. you can to do that yeah absolutely. and it's so it's okay to cry because yes. crying is cleansing very cleansing and yeah yeah definitely crying and I think that's another big one that goes back to grief like you know some people they may not express any feelings thoughts or emotions about it they just kind of. Mm-hmm. 
just let it linger, but never really address it. So yeah. I, I do think sitting with the feeling of grief is a healthy way to cope with it. And um, yes, you more than likely will cry and it will be heavy. But just knowing that those tears, the, like it's it's a healing experience to cry. It's cleansing for your soul to cry, mm -hmm. you know. And so when you allow yourself, if tears fall down, let them fall, let them fall. Just allow yourself to cleanse your spirit and, you know, just keep going, it's get back a, it, up again. Yeah, it's a, it's a release of a burden. And um, most people that go through grief, what helps them the most is going to a support group, talking to people who have experienced the same things. Yes. Because once you say it out loud, just like writing it down, Acknowledgement. you are letting it go. You yeah. are, you know, releasing it. And so that's definitely important for people. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to deal with any of this stuff on your own, right. no matter what it is. There's help out there. Right. And you may feel lonely, but you're never alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to end on, since you are the master of affirmations, if we can end on an affirmation. I take comfort in the memories of my loved one and the legacy they left on my life. I give myself time and space to feel all of my feelings and allow myself to cry when I need to cry. I can and I will cope with the grieving process. I will take time to care for my needs today. As hard as it may feel, I will continue to press on. I choose to feel at peace today. With that, we wish everybody safe and peaceful and wonderful holidays. And enjoy the rest of 2023. And speaking of 2023, this wraps up this year for the Mental Gains Podcast. Thanks so much for listening all season. I, I've learned a ton. I've had a lot of fun with really all of the guests. And it was a pleasure working with you, Verna. Yes, you as well. Was it? Yeah. Was it so much fun? <laughs> yeah, it was It was fun. We had a lot of laughs, but it was also difficult. Mm. You know, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. Uh -huh. And so... And you might be podcasting in the future. I may. Keep your eyes out for Verna Mullins and Matt Russell. As we head into 2024, we have some projects that, that we're excited about. But um, that's Verna. She's a producer and a host. I'm Matt Russell. I'm a producer and host. Chris Pfeiffer is the executive producer of the Mental Gains Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Merry Christmas and yep. Happy New Year. Thank you for your support. Bye. WGTE. Voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.